take the gathering ourselves together at church but if all you do is eat two meals a week you're not going to be healthy no matter how good that meal is we need food every single day you need to feed yourself god's word the only time you pray is when we pray at church if you only have a relationship with somebody two times a week for a couple minutes you're not going to have a healthy relationship so there's that need for not only diligence spiritually but also diligence in the way that we work it takes a lot of energy to feed feelings of hatred there's a reason it's compared to a fire devouring everything good slander lies violence all these spring from hatred today pastor daniel will examine the contrast of hatred and love and why it's so difficult to love someone even in their mistakes Jesus is not only the answer, but the example of loving wisdom. Listen as we consider why we continue the cycle of hatred and how to stop it. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Consider the Contrast. Jesus is real. When I say be righteous, what I'm really talking about is Put your faith and trust in Jesus and allow Jesus' righteousness to now be a foundational principle in your life. And as Jesus' righteousness is a foundational principle, you and I start to become more and more like Jesus. So if you ever wonder, how am I doing spiritually? You should ask yourself, am I doing better than I used to be? See, I like to say it, we say it here across us all the time that we're all in process, which that means is that all of us are growing. And so you should be able to look back at your life and say, I'm not as angry as I used to be. I'm not as critical as I used to be. I don't do those things that were destructive that I used to do. And my mouth is not as dirty potty as it is today. Because you you know what it's like, some potty mouth, right? Like God doesn't want, think about the visual, potty mouth, doesn't fit, right? Nasty. We'll talk about that a little bit in a minute, so... So the idea is that we all should be growing. And the only person who's not growing is God, because God can't change. God is perfectly God all the time. All the rest of us are in process. And so be righteous. And righteousness is more valuable than treasures of wickedness that profit nothing. Now, I need to make the point, because it's right there. If you, in your business dealings are seeking to profit on what the Bible would call wickedness. Now, again, our culture likes to minimize things that are bad, so we would say, you know, it's kind of, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's not good. I call it shady, when someone's being shady, right? Because it's not in the light, it's in the shade, right? If you're trying to profit, make money through shady business dealings, stop it. Because literally, it says here that you may make money, it profits you nothing. And people learn that over time. People who do shady business dealings, it ends up coming out, and then you end up doing time. I mean, Bernie Madoff, right? His whole Ponzi. That guy made more money than probably this entire congregation combined, and now he's sitting in jail because he's being shady. But when our heart loves materialism, then our will will choose 
materialism, and our brains will find a way to justify shady business dealings. But we learn here that righteousness is of more value. Not only that, notice verse 3. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. Now you think about when someone is famished. I mean, you all know what it's like to eat breakfast at 8 o'clock and by 9, 10, right? You're famished, right? You're just finding your way to the break room. You're like, where are those donuts? Oh, wait, no, you guys never do that, right? The idea of being famished is when you're, I'm starving. It always reminds me, remember Esau? Esau and Jacob were, were, were brothers, and Esau was out hunting, and he came on back, and he was so hungry that he sold his birthright for a bowl of red lentils, bowl of porridge. I love this, because when, when Jesus shares his righteousness with a person, it says that the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. He's saying, listen, when a person hungers and thirsts for righteousness, as Jesus said, that person will be satisfied and be filled. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you understand your soul being famished because you could feel it. And no matter what you do, no matter how many things you involve yourself in, maybe you get like a quick little moment where you're like, oh, that was kind of fun. But ultimately, you know that you're still hungering and thirsting for fulfillment. Because look what it says. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. What that means is that if you try and satisfy your soul with wickedness, rebellion against God, the problem is, is you will never actually attain the thing that you desire. Why? Because the flesh is never satisfied. I have a, a family member who had a history of drug addiction. I'll never forget. I was a young man. We were talking about uh, drugs and all these things. And he said, listen, he said, I ruined my life and my family trying to always get back to the way it felt the very first time. Because what happens with rebellion against God is it's pleasurable for a moment, but it's an unattainable. You're the perpetual horse with the carrot in front of you that you can't actually get the thing that you want. And that's how we know if we are building our lives on rebellion because we are never actually able to grab hold of what we want because God loves you too much to let that desire be fully satiated because you were created for more than that. And that's why it says that the desire, he casts away the desire of the wicked. The desire is never able to be quenched. That thirst of rebellion against God, the flesh will never be satisfied. So if you're a materialistic person, you will never have enough stuff. If your God is your checkbook, you will never have enough money. It's amazing. I think it was John D. Rockefeller. He was the richest man in America. He was like Bill Gates before Bill Gates was Bill Gates. And they said, how much more money do you want to make? He said, just a little bit more. That's how it goes. It's always just a little bit more because the ways of rebellion are just unattainable. You're always looking for the next thing. Now, I said be righteous, but also, notice I said we need to be diligent. Look at what it says in verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So not only should we be righteous, sharing in the righteousness of Jesus, and not just having a belief about Jesus, but actually living that stuff out, because Christianity isn't just a set of beliefs, it's literally an all-encompassing way of life. 
But now we have to learn to be diligent. And diligence here is seen in opposition to laziness. Notice, he who has a slack hand. You ever hear the phrase slacking off? It's someone who's lazy. Someone who's slacking off becomes impoverished. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise man. How many of your gardens are just blowing up right now with ripe veggies, right? So when it's blowing up, what do you do? You harvest it because the summertime is harvest time. When somebody, when somebody gathers in the summer, they're wise. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So not only do we need to be righteous, but we need to be diligent in our lives. You have to ask yourselves, am I diligent or am I lazy? Ask yourself spiritually, am I diligent spiritually or am I, am I, am I a spiritual slacker? Now, I gotta, I gotta make sure I make this nice important distinction here because the Christian message is that we're saved by grace apart from works, right? Now that does not mean because you can't do anything under salvation, that, because of, that God wants you to be apathetic about your life. See, we are saved by grace apart from works unto good works. Was, is the book of Acts a book about people who are lazy? No. Is the gospels, is Jesus portrayed as someone who is not passionately getting involved in the lives of people? See, we are saved by grace apart from works, but you and I now need to be diligent in growing, diligent in investing our lives in the life of the kingdom. We need to be diligent in growing up. I was talking to my, my kids, and it's the summertime, right? So they're not supposed to be in school, but we've been doing schoolwork at home, right? And Obadiah's just like, oh, dad, why are we doing this? I'm like, well, listen, you're gonna be in school next year, and your, your time's tables, it needs to be, it's just gonna get harder from here. Right? And I'm like, if you don't know it, you're going to be behind the eight ball. And he's like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, you know? Just quit nagging, Dad, I'll do it, you know? Can I get a marshmallow when I'm done? Sure, buddy. You know? I think a lot of us in our spiritual lives think that we've gotten saved by grace, and now I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. And we're spiritually lazy. I always tell people, we should never forsake the gathering ourselves together at church. But if all you do is eat two meals a week, you're not going to be healthy, no matter how good that meal is. We need food every single day. You need to feed yourself God's word. If the only time you pray is when we pray at church, if you only have a relationship with somebody two times a week for a couple minutes, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. So there's that need for not only diligence spiritually, but also diligence in the way that we work. Would your Boss, would your vocation, would they consider you to be somebody who is diligent? Or are you lazy? Do you slack off when you should be working hard? The time for working hard to harvest is in the summertime. The person who sleeps through the harvest is foolish. And all this reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Great verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
See, this is diligence language. You're steadfast. You're not stopping. You're immovable. You are fixed in the work of God, knowing that your labor. See, these are words are not of passivity, but of activity. These are not ideas of, I'm just kind of leaning back, but no, I'm pressing in because of what God has done for me. So we need to be both righteous and we need to be diligent. Now, Moving on from there, as we get into verse 8, look at what it says. It says, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. He who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. But righteousness covers the mouth of the wicked. Verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life. The wages of the wicked is sin. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. So just as before we saw that we need to be righteous and diligent, now we learn that there is wisdom in love and in integrity. There is wisdom in both love and integrity. We have another set of twins, so to speak, another pair here. There is wisdom in love and integrity. Now, I get that there is wisdom in love right from verse 12. It kind of sticks out in the middle there. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Now, this is important because what we learn here is that when somebody hates people, they are stirring up stuff. They're getting the thing rolling. They're keeping something going. And we kind of live in a culture that really values stirring up things, right? It's like getting this thing going. And what's amazing is, is many of us struggle with that. Many of us are really good at like, oh, yeah, you hear that thing? Oh, oh and then you're, you're fine at feeding the fire. You're just putting a little gas on that fire. Oh, yeah, this is great. We're just going to keep this thing going. The Bible calls that hatred. Wow. See, this, right? The Bible. Because some of us, we're good at stirring up stuff, but we would never say that we're a hater. Because haters are going to hate, Right? You can tell when somebody is a hater because they are stirring up strife. They're keeping things going. Oh, oh, you know, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I did. Well, you don't even know the half of it. That's hater. Haters drink haterade, I guess. Whatever, you know. It's just like, that's hatred. Consider the contrast. But love covers all sins. Now, that's quoted for us in 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Wow. 
pops up again in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, that love bears all things. And that word bears in the Greek literally means covers all things. Why does love cover all sins? Because Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. See, love is not stirring people up, but love is protecting and covering people in the mistakes that they made. Now, this does not mean that love enables somebody to continue to sin. Love is not, don't say anything about that evil thing they're doing. That's the antithesis of love. But when you love somebody, you realize that person is not perfect and that stirring up and inciting the flesh in other people by our information about them, that is actually hatred in action. Love says, sure, they're fallen. Sure, they make mistakes. When we all do, but you know what? I am not going to be part and party to character assassination of somebody else, even though they might be wrong. Because that's not who Jesus is. And we call ourselves Christians because we are the followers of Jesus. And if Jesus can take the cross to cover our mistakes, then we take the cross to cover other people's mistakes. And that's wisdom. Wisdom loves your neighbor as yourself. Look, we've all made mistakes. We've all done the wrong thing. And it never feels good when somebody runs your mistake out. It never feels good. So why do we do it to each other? You got to see, again, that's why I'm like, the Bible's like, it's got some claws. Sometimes the Bible bites you a little bit. It, it gets it. It's like, ooh. Next time people are starting to stir up strife, you got to think to yourself, hatred does that. That's hate. And I, Jesus ain't a hater. I ain't a hater. But love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers sins because that's who the Lord is. And this is who we're called to be. There's wisdom in doing this because when we are like God, when we act righteous as God is righteous, the world is blessed. God's design is not to run out everybody's mistakes and chit-chat about it. God wants to crucify it and forgive it and drop it in the sea of forgetfulness. That's who God is. And God designed you and I as his people filled with the Holy Spirit that we would do the same thing, that we would be people who love and cover instead of incite and stir up. So not only is there wisdom in love, but there's also wisdom in integrity. Now, in these verses, there's a lot of different things about integrity. But notice, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. A, a prating fool is somebody who talks aimlessly and idly. So what you have here is that someone who has integrity will receive commands, which has, they will listen to the people in authority in their lives and, and respond. Notice verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely. So the idea of walking on the straight path through the narrow gate, the difficult way that few find but leads to life. When you walk on that path, you work with, walk with security. But notice verse 9, but he who perverts his ways will become known. You see that? The reason why, and if you consider the contrast here, the reason why walking in integrity is important because when you don't, when you walk in a perverted way or a crooked path, at some point that's going to come out. The good old saying in your Bible that your sin will find you out. It comes out. 
It always does. It never stays hush-hush. It always ends up showing itself. So there's wisdom in walking in integrity as opposed to crookedness because ultimately when we are shady, it will come out. That's what we learn here. So you have to ask ourselves. Because again, it's easy to push it away. It's easy to like, oh, I hope so-and-so is listening to this message. But you gotta say, Lord, by the power of your spirit, will you shine the light of your righteousness into my heart? And if there's any wicked way in me, God, lead me in the way of everlasting. Because each one of us, could anyone here say, I always walk in love? Only Jesus can. Can anyone say, I always walk in integrity? Only Jesus can. And we're all being worked on. And maybe your crookedness is not as crooked as the most crooked person you can think about. But all of us, God wants to make our paths straight. And I love that about the Lord. Because isn't that what we always do? We always want to weigh ourselves against like the worst possible example of it. Like I've said it a million times and it cracks me up. I love talking to people about the Lord and people always say, well, you know, like, you know, I'm a good person. I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm like, well, how do you know you're a good person? We're like, I'm not like Adolf Hitler. I'm not like Charles Manson. I'm like, okay, so really what you're doing is you want the, the most evil guy you could think of. You're not that. So, so you're a good person. So when do we define goodness by the most horrific example of evil? And I'm like, well, so how are you doing in comparison to like Mother Teresa? I'm like, so like, so you're like, you're like good like Gandhi or something? And then they start squirming, right? Because if the, the guy who tips the scale of the most evil person is your standard for how you're not an evil person, then all you're saying is that guy's way more crooked than me, so his excessive crookedness obscures my kind of really crookedness, which isn't even logical. See, all of us, God wants to do a work in our lives. And integrity is something that we're learning each and every day. We're learning how to walk in integrity. Jesus is teaching us his integrity. And so you have that we not only want to be righteous and diligent, but now we want that there's wisdom in being loving and having integrity. Now, we've been seeing it, like in verse 13, wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding. Verse 14, wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. As you move into verse 18, look at what it says. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So you notice now, as we're considering the contrast, now it focuses down on our words. Jesus is real. A wise person receives God's leading while a fool rejects it. That was just one of the pieces of wisdom we heard in today's message about contrasts. Integrity and love are qualities of the wise, and when a person acts from a place of love, wisdom abounds. 
It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will help us to consider what we say. Sin can manifest in hateful, slanderous words. We communicate a lot about ourselves through our words. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled God's Tweets. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.